Hi, this is Dan. This podcast episode is one in a four-part series about sin, salvation, Holy Spirit, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This series will build your faith. If you haven't already done so, you can find me at YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Revival Now Dan Steep, and my website, RevivalNow.com. Thanks for listening to my podcast and sharing it with your friends. Remember, God's not mad. He loves you, and so do I. We've been talking about sin, salvation, the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're to that point tonight where you know, I can really begin to sink my teeth into what was really the, the, the genesis of this lesson and the motivation for, for really sharing this lesson with you all. Salvation is the work of the Trinity. It is a complete work. When we talk about salvation, we're talking about being born again, becoming a Christian. Salvation is opening yourself up to all that God is and allowing Him to come into your sinful life. Born into sin, shapen in iniquity, the Bible says. That's the condition that every one of us are born into. And salvation is acknowledging not only my sinfulness, but my utter inability to do anything about the sin problem in my life. And when I humble myself and repent of my sins and turn to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, when I confess Him as my Lord, I open myself up to all the resources of heaven coming into my life and not just saving me and getting me to heaven one day, but being transformed into the image of Christ and actually experiencing some heaven right here on earth. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. And salvation is for time and eternity. Salvation is your healing, is your strength, is your prosperity, is your deliverance and freedom here and now and in the life to come. Hallelujah. That's why the gospel is called good news. It's good news when you find out that there is a holy, just God who understands your condition and your position in life 
And he took it upon himself to remedy your condition of sin when he gave his one and only son as the supreme and perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty and the price for your sins to be forgiven, to give you eternal life, to make you whole. Hallelujah. But salvation is the work of the Trinity. We talk a lot when we, when we think about salvation. We, we, we think and we talk a lot in terms of the, the human response to God's free gift of salvation. But salvation doesn't start with man. It starts with God. The reality is, in John 6, the Scripture says, No one can come to me, this is Jesus speaking, unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. So we see the role of the Father in actually drawing us. Anyone who's ever received Jesus Christ as their Savior can look back in hindsight and you can see God's fingerprints on your life working through your sin, working through the circumstances that you found yourself in due to your own sin. And you can see His hand guiding you, protecting you, and drawing you to Him. It starts with the Father. Then the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, 8, when He comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, righteousness and of the coming judgment. So we see the role of the Holy Spirit in convicting us of our sin bringing us to the place where in godly sorrow with a heartfelt motivation we repent of our sins, confess them to God, and ask Him to forgive us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. We already know the role of the Son, the great sacrifice for our sins, who not only gave His life and spilt His blood, but rose from the dead to give us victory over sin and death. But I want to read something to you from John chapter 3. This was when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus at night. This is when Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, in his natural mind, was having difficulty understanding what Jesus could possibly mean being born again. And Jesus said in John 3, 5, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So there you have it. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Romans 8.16 says, For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's 
children. So the sinner is regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit becomes in our life when we accept, when we enter in and receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within us. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, that God Himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, He has given us His Holy Spirit. What's the guarantee? It's the guarantee that we will be resurrected and put on immortality one day. The reason I really want to talk to you about this is I want you to see that there is a role of the Holy Spirit in your conversion, in your salvation. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys in the comments. When you join us, join Brian and the rest of the gang in the comments and say hello to us and let us know where you're watching from. There's a role of the Holy Spirit in your conversion experience. It's a role of convicting you of sin, and it's, it's the role of actually being used to birth this spiritual life into you. That's what Jesus was saying in John 3. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So when you're born again, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. But that doesn't mean that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. This great opportunity, this great empowerment for our lives that is available to every believer is not what happens at conversion or when you're born again, but it is the result of being baptized or fully immersed in the Holy Ghost. And all believers are uh, able, not only able, but entitled. It is your birthright. And you should expect it and earnestly seek this promise of the Father as a command of Christ. The Bible calls this baptism of the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father. But we also see in Scripture that it's a command of Christ. Acts 1, 4 and 5. Jesus said, this is when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was normal. It was 
it was a normal experience and it was an expected experience for the early Christian church to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I know some, uh, there are Christians that think that because they have the Holy Ghost in their life at conversion, that they have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it's a deception. And it's born out of not truly understanding what God's Word says. It's born for some people out of rebellion and pride. It's born for other people out of fear of losing control, giving up control. There's all kinds of reasons that go into why a person lands where they do doctrinally in God's Word, and those reasons uh, don't have anything to do with a clear, honest reading of God's Word. But when the Holy Spirit of God shines His light of revelation, because we're told in Scripture that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to lead us in truth. And when God's Word is illuminated to us by the Holy Spirit, we begin to see just what is available to us as the child of God. Remember, when you're born again, you've suddenly just opened your life up to everything that God desires for you to have. If you'll yield yourself, if you'll humble yourself, and if you'll openly receive what God offers you, you can have everything that God desires for you to have. And I assure you, as we share together tonight in this live stream, that God desires for you to be fully baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit comes power. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So there's a promise in Scripture from the mouth of Jesus himself that you will be filled with power, not just any power, power from heaven. That is, that's why when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there are manifestations of tongues and prophecy. These things happen because you've just been immersed and baptized with power from heaven. And my friend, when power from heaven completely fills and immerses you, there's going to be a bubbling up. Your physical human body cannot contain the fullness of heaven in power as you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is distinct and subsequent to the new birth. We're saying that when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, it's not a part of your conversion experience, being born again. It's distinct from that, and it's subsequent to, it comes after. And I want to share with you from Acts chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. This, this passage of Scripture illustrates 
what I'm talking to you about. Amen, Pastor Wendy. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 to 17, and I appreciate you guys putting the scriptures up in the comments. Acts 8, 12 to 17. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Here we go, verse 16. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these people were saved, but they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's many more scriptures. I'm not going to uh, read them all right now, but there's a couple more that we'll be looking at later uh, in, in the message tonight that illustrate this very thing, that it's distinct and subsequent to the new birth. We'll be looking at Acts uh, 10 and Acts 19 in just a little while. So the question I want to pose to you to think about, and think about it in your own life and think about it as... Uh, you consider other people in the body of Christ. Why is there such a resistance by certain segments of the body of Christ to the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I would say to you that, in, in fact, why don't you fire away in the comments section? Tell me why you think certain segments of the body of Christ are so resistant or even oppositional to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'll check over with you guys. Just tell me what you think. You don't have to encapsulate the whole argument. We're just thinking out loud here together. Why do you think people are resistant to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And just because you tell me why they're resistant doesn't mean that you're resistant in that way. You're just sharing with me what your thoughts are. I'm going to wait for at least one comment before I fill the, the space with some ideas that I have. What do you guys think in the comment section? Fear. Hey, it's on my list. Thanks, Pastor Wendy. For sure. I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, you could, you could make a long list. What's behind fear? Control. I think it's a pride issue for many people. Come on, guys. Give me one more comment. Pastor Wendy led the way. 
Why do you think so many people are resistant to the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I'm trying to not uh, give answers so that I don't take up all the answers and then I, I suddenly said the one that you were thinking. Ah, a lack of faith. Pastor Steve. Yeah, you have to have faith for it. You have to believe for it. Very good. All right, the Grims are lighting it up. Good answers. Lack of knowledge. Why does the Bible say people perish? A lack of knowledge. And it's really true. You'll never receive what hasn't been revealed to you in God's Word. But when you see it in God's Word, and the Holy Spirit shines that light of revelation on it, now you actually begin to have faith. So now that speaks to what Steve's saying. When truth is revealed in God's Word, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now suddenly, you, you begin to have faith for that thing because you've seen it clearly in God's Word. And even faith that will overcome the fear. I think some of the obstacles to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, are um, bad teaching. There's a lot of bad teaching out there. Teaching that tells you that the gifts of the Spirit died with the last apostle and that things like tongues and prophecy and, and those things don't, don't exist for today. And so if you, if you see those things being uh, demonstrated, it's not from God. And there's all kinds of bad teaching. Stuff that's not even in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that indicates that the gifts of the Spirit ended with the death of the last apostle. I mean, and yet that is one of the major arguments lifted up against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, against the demonstration of gifts and healings and miracles and all those things. It's an argument that's not even in the Bible. It's, it's amazing to me that that could have as much traction as it does. But it has that traction because it appeals to people that are afraid. It appeals to people who are controlling. It appeals to people who are prideful. And they, they can basically have it the way they want it. Um, here, here's another one. It's a belief that a, a lot of people have. They, they want to believe that God will do it all that they don't have to have a role in it. That if God wants to baptize me, he'll just do it. Well, God wants you to be baptized in water. But did your baptism, your water baptism just happen? Did God just do it? Or did you by faith take steps to allow yourself to be put in water and someone to baptize you? In the same way, we're told in John, John chapter 7, Jesus talks about this filling, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he was speaking of what is to come. And he says you have to be thirsty, you have to come to him, 
and drink. So those are things that we do. You can get thirsty. You can come to Jesus, who is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And you can drink. And then we also see this, the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost of speaking in tongues. The Bible says they spoke in other tongues. The Bible doesn't specifically say that God took over their beings and he brought tongues out through them. It says they spoke in other tongues. That is, giving God all of me, including my voice, and as His Spirit immerses me and baptizes me, I open my mouth and begin to speak by faith in other tongues. So we're, we're back to faith again, Pastor Steve. It's huge. Everything in the kingdom moves through faith. Everything that you want to see in your life is accessed by faith. Let me give you another obstacle. Um, it's just uh, like the self-doubt and the self-talk that goes on in people's heads that doesn't get shut down right, by faith. And that is, uh, I know a lot of people, they're just scared. And they, they're asking the question, how do I know if I have the right thing? How do I know if I'm being scriptural? How do I know if um, I'm in line with God's word? How do I know that this isn't Satan doing some kind of mimicking copycat thing? How do I know that I'm not just doing it to be a part of the club? right? How do I know that I have the right thing? And, and I know this sounds overly simplified, but it's, it's also overly true. Trust the Holy Ghost. How about trust God? It would be very interesting for me to know how many Christians actually trust God. How about we trust Him? How about we trust his word? And not speculate or or be skeptical unless we have a reason to be. But you see our reason for skepticism and unbelief and fear is because we don't know God's word. Number 1. And number 2, we haven't decided if we can really trust God or not. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, Jesus said, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, there's the picture. Have you received a gift from a human being before? Have you received a compliment? Have you received a physical gift? A material gift? Maybe it was a meal. 
Maybe that gift arrived in the mail. But you received good gifts from people. Could be your husband, your parents, your children, whatever. That's what Jesus is saying. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more can you trust God? How much more than your ability to give good gifts will your heavenly Father give you the ultimate gift, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him? Not those who say, if God wants me to have it, I'll have it, but those who ask Him. Well, I want to share with you three primary scriptural accounts of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. These tell the story. I want you to write these down. That's great, Pastor C. We do. Amen. We need to stop leaning on our own understanding. I feel like the Grimms could preach this lesson. Amen. Let me share these three scriptural witnesses to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They tell the story. They tell the story of the baptism, and they tell the story of the evidence of the baptism. So the first one is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you don't even have to have experienced the baptism in the Holy Ghost to know that in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we find the great Pentecost experience where the Holy Ghost came in power and in fire and baptized those early believers. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Thanks for throwing it in the comments. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Here we go now, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them utterance, but they began to speak in other tongues. And they were all filled. Now, I don't know what filled means to you. But when I fill a pitcher of water, it's not full until it's literally at maximum capacity. That's what filled is. Maximum capacity. And you don't actually, I mean, it's very difficult to fill something to maximum capacity without it spilling over. And that's what happens when you're baptized or immersed in the Holy Ghost. Filled to overflowing. And when we overflow, how do we overflow? It comes out of our mouth. It is the manifestation of the Spirit when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's the original pattern. And God wants you to have nothing less than this. 
He wants you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to the original Pentecostal pattern. Hallelujah. Hey, if you're joining us late, we started our live stream, 7 o'clock p.m. New York time. We come every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. New York time. We're broadcasting to you from the Revival Now studios in Marysville, Ohio. We're celebrating uh, the fact that we have eclipsed the 9,500 soul mark of souls coming into the kingdom this year through this ministry and our soul winning network. So thanks for joining us. Make sure you say hello in the comments and let us know where you're watching from. Witness number two. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 46. Acts chapter 10, 44 to 46. Cornelius had a vision of a holy angel, and he sent for Peter. And when Peter arrived and he proclaimed the gospel message, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard it. Acts 10, 44-46, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. I love this one. We tell people, hey, Paul, thanks for joining us, buddy. We tell people all the time, right, how, how can you receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit? How can you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? You have to be thirsty, come to Jesus, and drink. But God is God. And here... Peter was preaching, and while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. He fell just like on the day of Pentecost, like a mighty rushing wind. Hallelujah. And those of the circumcision, or the Jews who believed, right, those were the ones that came along with Peter, they were astonished, right, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So what was it that confirmed to the Jewish believers who came with Peter to Cornelius' house? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That was the evidence. When they saw that, they knew that they had received what happened on, on the day of Pentecost and what these Jewish believers had received. Thirst, come to Jesus, and drink. There's no formula. You just have to meet that criteria. You just have to be willing by faith. You have to be thirsty enough to come to Jesus and make yourself available for the fullness of his spirit. So what was it that convinced those racist Jews that the Gentiles' experience was legitimate? It was that they heard them speak with tongues. Listen, I call them racist Jews because Jews didn't believe that the, the Samaritans were worthy. They didn't believe that the Gentiles 
that God was even for them. They thought he was only for, for the Jewish people, for the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. But they were convinced in an instant when they saw and heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Witness number three, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Thanks, Pastor Wendy. So they said to them, said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Remember, in order to receive something from God's Word, you have to first have a revelation about it. And these people had not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said to him, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here it is again, the same evidence of the same experience. Plus, in this story, they prophesied. Three times the Bible bears witness to the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and three times the Bible bears witness of uh, tongues being that evidence. Now, I don't glorify tongues. I glorify the giver of tongues. I don't glorify tongues. I don't lift it up above any other gift of the Spirit. But I am not a tongues denier. I fully embrace what has been revealed to me from God's Word that is my inheritance, the good gift of the Father to me. Now, many people... I want to take a moment to, to make this point. Many people, intentionally or unintentionally, are confusing 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with Acts chapter 2. These, are, these two chapters deal with two different things. One deals with the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the other deals with the manifestation or the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost, which is tongues. There are multiple expressions of tongues in the Bible. There's the Pentecost experience. There's Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost and preaching, and everyone from every nation hearing them in their own tongue. 
There is the, the prayer language, the prayer utterance, praying in tongues. These are all scriptural experiences of tongues. I know stories. I knew a man who had an experience with tongues. It wasn't quite like Peter's on the day of Pentecost, but he was preaching in South America. He had to preach through two interpreters. One interpreted it into Spanish, and then it was then interpreted into the dialect of the tribe that he was preaching to. If you've ever preached through an interpreter, you know that it's, very, it's a very cumbersome, very difficult thing to do. Now, if you have to speak through two, that's really challenging. But his story was this. While he was preaching, there came a moment, there came a time when the interpreter stopped interpreting. He actually stopped preaching and he turned to the interpreters and he asked them why they were not interpreting. And they told him, we do not need to. They hear you. He said, I didn't say or do anything differently. I never felt any differently. I was, to, to my uh, understanding, I was preaching in English and they were hearing it in their own language. It's a miracle. It's a gift of the Spirit. Now there's also uh, tongues, uh, a prophetic tongue, where someone stands up and shares a message in tongues to the congregation or to a body of believers. That's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When that expression of tongues happens, there is to be an interpreter present to make sure that it is fruitful and profitable for everyone in the congregation. Now, people, either because they have an agenda against tongues or against the baptism in the Spirit that is evidenced by, by speaking in tongues, they try to take something from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that was meant to govern how um, prophetic tongues, messages in tongues were to be handled within the body of Christ. They take that and they try to apply it to a manifestation of the Spirit when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. So one deals with a manifestation, the other deals with a gift of the Spirit. But the, the manifestation of speaking in tongues, the bubbling it up that comes forth when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost is not under the governing uh, rules, if you will, for delivering a message to the body of Christ in tongues. Let me share another one with you. I've heard people say that the manifestation of tongues, the manifestation of the Spirit when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, cannot be this bubbling up experience because when you do that, you're not being self-controlled. And they, they reference Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, where the Apostle Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit now, there's a couple of things that you need to keep in mind. If you read the, the previous couple of verses, he, he lists the works of the flesh, and he contrasts them with the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the fruit of the Spirit being self-control. 
Now, why would the Holy Spirit need self-control? Self-control is for the believer to overcome the works of the flesh in their own life. The Bible says the Spirit, it's John chapter 3, it it goes like the wind, it comes and it goes. It's not under self-control. The flesh, self-control exists as a fruit of the Spirit to keep the flesh in check. Self-control as a fruit of the Spirit does not exist to control the Spirit himself. It's not consistent. The baptism in the Holy Ghost with the manifestation of the Spirit of speaking in tongues is your inheritance. You, You need not be afraid of it. It is okay to pursue it. Because you'll do more in one year if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit than you could do in 50 years apart from Him. There is an overflowing fullness of the Spirit that is available to every blood-washed one. So here's John 7 that I referenced earlier. John 7, verses 37 to 39. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. He said, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. So there it is. Be thirsty, come to Jesus and drink. He goes on to say, the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And verse 39 says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. There is a filling and overflowing fullness of the Spirit. Peter in Acts chapter 4 verse 8, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, and he began to give that great Pentecost sermon. But he did so as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. So many things are available to us. So many um, benefits and blessings of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It creates a deeper reverence for God, a deeper consecration to God, a a more focused, uh, you know, more seriousness. Uh, I need to use better grammar. Uh, It brings about a, a greater seriousness for the work of God, a more active love for Christ, for the Word, for the world, for the lost. It is your inheritance. When you're born again, God fully intends that you will be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it is available to everyone. All you have to do is be thirsty for it. Come to Jesus and ask for it. And 
then receive it. Just drink it in. Well, I've said many times in our live stream tonight that when you're born again, you've just opened your life up. You've positioned yourself to receive, to have, to operate in, to walk in everything, the abundance that God has for you. Abundance in your physical body. Abundance in your finances, abundance in your home, in your relationship, in your ministry, in your business, in your career. You're positioned to receive everything that God has for you. I have two questions tonight. The first one is this. Have you been born again? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, Let's take care of that business tonight. If you once walked in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but you turned away from Him, let's settle that issue. Return to Jesus today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. It all starts with saying yes to Jesus. I want to pray a prayer out loud And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. And when you do, you will be born again, saved, rededicated, and walking in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ from this moment forward. Would you do that with me? Just repeat this prayer out loud after me. I want you to repeat it out loud because Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I admit that I've sinned. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sin to you. I repent. Please forgive me of my sin. I confess you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Father, for making all things new. When you prayed that prayer together with me, you called on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that means when you called upon the name of the Lord, when you repeated that prayer out loud after me, that means you're saved, you're born again, And you're on your way to heaven because you have Jesus in your heart. I'd like you to do something for me real quick. If you prayed that prayer, go to our website at revivalnow.com and click the red button on the front page that says, I just got saved. It'll take you to a place where you can fill out your contact information. 
And there's also some video resources that I've prepared to help you get started on the right foot in your relationship with Christ. Just fill out your contact information. I want you to do that because I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are by name. I want to be able to pray for you by name. And I want to be able to uh, be a resource to you on your journey with Christ Jesus. Thank you for doing that. My second question that I have for our, our viewing audience tonight, have you received the baptism in the Holy Ghost? I believe. I, I've done enough online ministry to know that God is not bound by time and space or technology or internet. I've seen God miraculously heal while praying for people online. I've seen people saved and delivered. So there's no reason that you can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost right now if you desire. My one recommendation is you don't seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost while you're driving in your car. Could get a little dicey. But if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let's do it right now. Remember the requirements. Be thirsty. Come to Jesus and drink. So just open yourself up in a posture to drink in the fullness of the Spirit and receive what Jesus has for you. In the name of Jesus, I baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Be filled to overflowing, full immersion. And as you're being filled, just open your mouth and allow the bubbling to come up out. Give God your vocal cords. Give Holy Spirit complete access and control. Filled. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet with the Holy Ghost and fire. In the name of Jesus. Drink it in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I personally want to thank each and every one of you for taking this journey with us tonight through this live stream on sin, salvation, the Holy Spirit, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I trust that you've been encouraged, strengthened. I trust that, that your, your grasp and command of the Word is growing and, and, and it, you're getting it in you. I want to give everybody an opportunity that, that desires to, to be able to sow a financial seed into this ministry. So we're going to throw the ways up on the screen that you can do that. You can go to revivalnow.com forward slash invest now and follow the prompts and do everything from there, access any of our giving platforms from there. You can also text RNGIVE to 888-364-4483. That's RNGIVE to 888-364-4483. Four four eight three. If you want to give through Cash App, search for dollar sign RN Give. 
Cash App, dollar sign, RN Give. We're also on PayPal. Just search for at RN Give. That's PayPal at RN Give. If you desire to give through check, you can make your check payable to Revival Now and send it by mail to P.O. Box 411, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Revival Now, P.O. Box 411, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. While you're making preparations uh, for sowing your financial seed, uh, let me just again remind everyone that over 9,500 souls have come into the kingdom through this ministry in 2021 and counting. So you're sowing seed into good soil. And we thank you for that. Every soul that comes into the kingdom through this ministry, when you partner together with us, is credited to your account as well. So thank you and God bless you for uh, your, your financial partnership. Thank you to everyone who, who's already a partner with us. And thank you and God bless you for joining together and beginning to partner with us in this ministry. We're making a dent in hell for eternity. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you all before we say goodbye. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to take this journey together with some great brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Spirit. Thank you that even better than we can give gifts to one another, you will give us the Holy Spirit. We receive it in Jesus' name. Speak blessing over our viewers tonight. Bless their homes. Bless their families. Bless their health. Bless their finances, Lord. Bless their businesses, their ministries, their jobs and careers. Give them favor, God. Favor with God and men in the name of Jesus. Thank you for healing bodies and strengthening bones in Jesus' name. Thank you for breakthrough, abundance, and overflow. In the name of Jesus, amen. But thank you again for joining me tonight. God bless you from me, my wife, everyone here at the Revival Now Studios in Marysville, Ohio. A big God bless you. Just remember, we believe in you. We're praying for you. And uh, we're thankful for you. So be blessed in the name of Jesus.